I'm Rob Kirkup, and this is How Haunted, the paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the scariest places on the planet, or in this case, some of the scariest objects to be found anywhere in the world. In episode 69 we look at the favourite toy of many children all over the globe, a delightful companion that provides many years of friendship in those early innocent years of life. However, when we grow older, the fixed grin and staring vacant eyes of a child's doll can be the stuff of nightmares. Films such as Child's Play and The Conjuring have added to the fear that many people have when it comes to dolls. Across the month of January, we will look at almost 40 dolls believed to be haunted. But is there actually any substance to these claims? Or is it just a potent combination of imagination and legend? Let's find out together when we ask, just how haunted are these dolls? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. Dolls. Those ubiquitous companions of childhood have captivated young minds for millennia. Their enduring presence a testament to their profound impact on human development and imagination. From their humble beginnings as rudimentary figurines, to their evolution into meticulously crafted works of art, dolls have mirrored the changing social, cultural and artistic landscape of human societies. The earliest evidence of dolls dates back to the Paleolithic era, which was over 20,000 years ago. These rudimentary figurines, often carved from wood or clay, were likely used for ritualistic purposes or as a representation of deities, and they have evolved in the many years since in both their purpose and manufacturing methods, with Barbie, introduced in 1959, revolutionising the doll industry and becoming a cultural icon and a symbol of female empowerment. Yet, on rare occasions these dolls can have a far darker side. From innocent playthings to vessels of paranormal activity, haunted dolls have captivated and terrified people for centuries. These inanimate figures, often imbued with a sense of nostalgia and childhood memories, can be inhabited by something impossible, something potentially dangerous, transforming them from being beloved companions into agents of the supernatural. Join me as we delve into the world of haunted dolls, exploring the chilling tales of these eerie objects and uncovering the mysteries that lie behind their unsettling reputations. From the infamous Robert doll to a haunted Barbie doll, we'll unravel the chilling stories of these haunted companions and the unexplained phenomena associated with them. You can see photographs of every doll we're going to investigate in this episode and the next over on the Instagram at HowHauntedPod. Prepare to be captivated and creeped out in equal measure as we delve into the paranormal encounters, strange occurrences and unexplained events that have plagued those who have crossed paths with these eerie dolls. Are these haunted dolls merely figments of imagination, or do they serve as conduits for otherworldly entities? Join me as we explore the fascinating and unsettling world of these haunted dolls, and where better to start than with one of, if not the, most famous haunted doll of them all, Annabelle. The story of Annabelle is one of those tales that appears to change with every telling, 
especially since the release of the two movies in recent years inspired by Annabelle. So the version I'll recount for you here is the most commonly told version of events. Annabelle is a Raggedy Ann doll who was bought in 1970. She was bought secondhand from a hobby shop in the USA by a woman who thought it would be a good birthday present for her daughter who was turning 28. Her daughter was a nursing student called Donna. Donna placed it on the sofa to welcome visitors. But soon after, Donna and her roommate Angie became convinced that something wasn't quite right about this doll. They'd come home and find that the doll hadn't just moved position, but had moved to a completely different room. They both knew it couldn't have been one of them playing a prank on the other, as they'd been out together, leaving and returning at the same time. Then things got worse. They started finding handwritten notes written on parchment paper that they didn't even have in their home, which said things like help me and help Lou. Lou was Angie's boyfriend. Soon afterwards, Lou was over, seeing Angie, when he was attacked by some unseen force. Then when Angie and Donna came home one day, they found the doll with blood on its chest and hands. That was when they knew they needed help. They called in a psychic, or in some accounts a priest, who claimed that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a seven-year-old girl called Annabelle Higgins, who was killed in the apartment building that they lived in. The psychic suggested that they get in touch with Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were paranormal investigators who were relatively unknown at the time, but would go on to investigate some high-profile cases, including the Amityville Horror House and the Enfield Poltergeist. The Warrens determined that the doll was not actually possessed by the spirit of the seven-year-old girl, but rather it was being controlled by a demon, posing as the spirit of the little girl, and it was hell-bent on stealing one of the students' souls. The Warrens suggested an exorcism, which appeared to solve the problem, but to be safe, they took the doll with them to their occult museum in Monroe, Connecticut. But even after the exorcism, strange things continued to happen around the doll. So she was put into a locked glass case with a sign reading, positively do not open. Annabelle was put on display in the museum until 2019 when Lorraine Warren died. Edda died in 2006, and the museum has been closed ever since. Although the Warren family are currently seeking options to reopen it. It seems that even locking the doll inside a glass case would not stop it from committing evil deeds, as the worst was yet to come. In the early days of the doll being on display, a young couple visited the museum. The man, a young adult in his late teens, laughed at the doll. He laughed at Raggedy Ann's stitched facial features, her bright orange triangular nose, and her smile staring back at him from her glass prison. He pushed and hit the glass case saying it's all nonsense. He and his girlfriend were quickly asked to leave. They climbed onto his motorbike, still laughing at the doll which they found anything but scary. And as they were riding to their next destination, he suddenly lost control, veering off the road and slamming straight into a tree. He died. But his girlfriend survived with life-changing injuries. She said that the last thing her and her boyfriend done before crashing was to laugh at the doll. The doll is now famous the world over is the inspiration for the movie The Conjuring and the sequel Annabelle. The doll got a terrifying Hollywood makeover for these movies, a far cry from the friendly look of the Raggedy Ann doll. The Raggedy Ann doll has been mass produced since 1915 and is currently a trademark owned by the toy giant Hasbro, who has produced these dolls since 1983. 
Incidentally, Hasbro also owns the trademark for Ouija. Our next doll, Mandy, is an antique porcelain baby doll that was made in around 1910, either in England or Germany. In 1991, she was donated to the Quesnel Museum in British Columbia, Canada. Her owner, Lisa Sorensen, who had been given the doll she'd called Mandy by her grandmother, said that she wanted it out of her house, as she couldn't cope anymore with her crying night after night. The museum staff were bemused by this story, but happily added it to their museum exhibits, and it didn't take long for Mandy to develop a reputation among the staff for paranormal occurrences that appeared to be caused by the doll. Things would go missing, sometimes reappearing but not always, and the sound of footsteps was heard in the room where she was on display, when the room was known to be empty. Staff and visitors find her unnerving, even those unaware of her reputation. One even commented on her sinister smile. Some who visited the museum have said that they've seen her eyes following them. Others have claimed to see her fingers move. Some have said that her head has turned towards them. She's even been said to tap quietly on the glass of the display cabinet she's housed in. Visitors have attempted to take her photo, and then claimed that their camera simply wouldn't operate. They'd click the button to take her photo. Nothing. They'd try again. Nothing. Then they'd attempt to take a photograph of anything else and it would work perfectly fine. Mandy does not play well with others, and when she's been placed in the same case as other dolls, they've been found on the floor of the case, often damaged. A psychic to the museum claimed that Mandy is inhabited by the spirit of a child who doesn't have any malicious intent, it's simply craving attention and affection. Mandy became infamous, following an appearance on American television on the Montel Williams show, along with the curator and Lisa who donated the doll to the museum in 1991. Next up we have the Haunted Gang, which is the name given to a collection of dolls called Crystal, True, Monica, Sharla, Isaac, Ashley and Cameron. These dolls were bought by Tom and Tracy Watkins from Pennsylvania, USA, who had just formed Night Paranormal Investigations. Tracy decided to collect haunted dolls, and purchase these dolls, who in the words of Tom and Tracy are dolls that hold the spirits of the deceased, either by choice, or because they were forced into the host dolls. Sadly we don't know the individual stories of all of the dolls, although there is a video on YouTube from 2010 where Tracy attempts to communicate with Isaac by the means of EVP, and she says that he's haunted by the spirit of a soldier from the Civil War. What we do know though, is Tom and Tracy positioned a webcam on the doll's house and set up a website watching the gang 24-7. Sadly, dollshousecam.com is no longer active, but there are some archive videos on YouTube, including one extraordinary video from 2009, which actually appears to capture the ghost of a little boy stood at the foot of a staircase. At 11.26am on the 20th of March 2009, an apparition can be seen manifesting at the bottom of the stairs. It's a small, childlike figure. You can clearly make out a head and a body, but it's grey and translucent. The mysterious entity appears live on stream for nearly two minutes, before simply vanishing into thin air. Was this child lured into the Watkins house by the dolls? Or could this even be one of the spirits that inhabits one of the haunted gang? You can see this video and the video of the AVP session with Isaac on YouTube. The links to both are in this podcast episode description. 
Staying across the pond in the United States, an old doll was found in the attic of an upstate New York home in 1968. It was discovered in an old trunk that had been up there when they'd moved in. The only other items in the trunk were some old pages from newspapers from the 1930s and an old yellow piece of paper with the Lord's Prayer written on it. The doll was of a young boy with dark hair brushed into a side parting, big red lips and the right hand side of his face had mostly been worn away, including almost all of his right eye. The family had a display of antique dolls already, so were delighted with this fortuitous find and gave the doll the name of Charlie, adding him to the display. Shortly afterwards though, Charlie was constantly swapping places with the other dolls, seemingly on his own. The couple had five children though, and the children got the blame. They told them that if they wanted to play with the dolls to make sure they put them back where they found them. All five children protested their innocence, saying they had not touched them. Not long after the initial discovery of the doll, the family's youngest daughter, who was four years old, was suddenly terrified of Charlie. She told her parents that when she got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, Charlie had spoken to her. Her parents reassured her that this was just a dream, or she'd imagined it. But the little girl refused to go anywhere near the doll, and this fear rubbed off on her siblings, who also give the creepy doll a wide berth, and wouldn't even get her to bed during the night to use the bathroom, no matter how badly they needed to go. The youngest daughter was then found covered in mysterious scratches. Her parents initially thought they may have been from the family cat, but they weren't cat scratches. They looked like fingernails. Charlie was put back in the trunk, and the family never ever took him out again. Years passed by, the children grew up, and one by one they moved out to begin their lives as adults, and eventually the parents didn't need such a big house and sold it. The new owners cleared out the attic, and the trunk and its contents were sold in a yard sale. A woman bought it and added Charlie to her antique doll collection. Charlie changed hands again, and ended up in a shop in Salem, Massachusetts, famous for the Salem Witch Trials of 1692 and 1693. The shop, called Local Artisan, is now Charlie's home. He sits on a top shelf, and anybody passing by can pop in and pay him a visit, if they dare. In 1976, a porcelain doll was placed in the attic window of a house in Janesville, in Minnesota, and it immediately became the subject of intrigue and fear for the locals, who would see it daily, peering down at them from a square window. It quickly became known as the Janesville Doll. It had been placed there by the house's owner, a man by the name of Ward Went. Ward had been born in the house in 1928, and his family had lived in that house ever since Janesville was founded. But why did Ward, who was 48 at the time, place the doll there one day? He was reportedly a collector of antique dolls and railway-related memorabilia. But was there more to it than that? Rumour quickly spread throughout Janesville, and then before long, the story of the Janesville doll reached all four corners of the United States of America. And then later, with the invention of the internet, it became a worldwide mystery. There were two common versions of the origin story of the doll, both of which resulted in the death of Wardwen's daughter at a young age. In one version of events, she succumbed to illness or was killed in a terrible accident. However, the other version is far darker. 
she was abused by Ward and his wife. They neglected her, locked her away in the attic where she was essentially held prisoner. She would sit and stare out of the window, watching the other Janesville children laughing and playing with their friends. But she didn't have any friends, and she had no reason to laugh. She hanged herself, right there in that attic. With their daughter dead, her parents realised what they had done, and overcome by grief placed the doll in the window in her memory. The doll then became haunted by the spirit of that sad young girl, and this is why passers-by would see the doll move and change position, even claiming that its expression would change from one of innocence to one of evil intent, glaring down at them. Visitors to the house would claim to hear a high-pitched giggle coming from the attic, the attic which was empty, other than the Janesville doll. When Ward went was asked, he said that he'd lived in that house all of his life, and nothing unusual had ever happened there. No murders, no suspicious deaths, it was just a normal home. He lived there until 2012 when at the age of 84 he died. So I guess we'll never know the secret of the Janesville doll. Well there may be a glimmer of hope. In 1976, the same year that the doll was placed in the window, the city of Janesville buried a time capsule in a park, a park not too far from where Ward Wendt's house was. This was to commemorate the bicentennial of the United States, and it's been claimed that Ward placed a note into the capsule, upon which he wrote down the reason that he placed the doll into the window. But, this time capsule isn't due to be opened until 2076, 100 years after it was buried. The Janesville doll was moved from the window following Ward's death in 2012 and is now on display in the Janesville Library. On the 25th of March 1930, the La Popular Bridal Boutique in Chihuahua, Mexico, owned by Pascualara Esparza, placed a new mannequin in the window. It was wearing a new bridal gown from the spring-summer collection. This mannequin is still on display today, 94 years later, and has been given the name La Pascualita, which translates to the corpse bride. Locals were immediately shaken by the mannequin. She looked so lifelike, and not only that, but she bore a striking resemblance to the owner's daughter. This only added fuel to the fire, considering that she'd only just died, having been bitten by a black widow spider on the morning of her wedding day. Then soon afterwards, the mannequin appeared in the window, although most were convinced that the owner had had her body embalmed and placed it in the window wearing the wedding dress so she could be the bride she never got to be in life. It isn't just that the mannequin looks like the owner's daughter whose name is lost to time, it's how incredibly real aspects of her are, especially her hands, which are fine lines and wrinkles, veins, nails and even tiny hairs. Take a look at the photos over on the Instagram at How Haunted Pod. Words can't quite do justice to how much her hands look like that of a real person. Tourists go out of their way to come and see La Pascualita, and some have reported that the mannequin's glassy eyes have followed them around the store. Some have even said that they have seen her move. For almost a century, there's been no agreement as to whether this is an embalmed human body or just an incredibly realistic mannequin. The main argument against the former is that it would be impossible for an actual corpse to survive in the Mexico heat for any length of time, let alone 94 years. But some are absolutely convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a dead body. 
One of those was a member of staff at the bridal shop, which is today called La Casa de Pasqualita, meaning the home of Pasqualita. In 2014, Sonia Berciaga, who was responsible for changing the dummy's outfit twice a week, said, Every time I go near Pasqualita, my hands break out in a sweat. Her hands are very realistic, and she even has varicose veins on her legs. I believe she is a real person. The Express newspaper in the UK reported on a haunted doll in September 2009, when journalist Stuart Winter wrote an article entitled, The Doll That Aged. It read, With its deathly stare and ugly wrinkled skin, it looks like the rotting skull of a zombie or an Egyptian mummy. But this gruesome, emaciated creature began life as a cute, attractive toy, bought by parents as a gift for their child. Like many playthings, the doll was eventually consigned to the attic. But as it lay there gathering dust, demonic forces set to work. And when the family retrieved it 11 years later, like Dorian Gray's infamous portrait, the doll had withered and aged. The story of the doll that grew old is told by expert on the paranormal Jim Eaton in his book, Ghosts Caught on a Film 2. The family bought the doll in good condition, said Mr Eaton. They decided to store it in the attic. When they stumbled on it 11 years later, they were shocked by how much it had aged, wrinkled like an old man. The horrified family gave it away, but it soon changed hands for a lot of money. This is the picture taken before the doll was given away. We can only wonder what condition it may be in now, he said. There's not an awful lot of detail in the news story. Unlike the dolls we've looked at to this point, we don't know where in the world this happened, when it happened, or the names of those involved. And very little additional information has come out about the doll in the 15 years since. We don't even know where it is today. But the photograph taken of the doll is chilling. You can see it over on the Instagram. Kerry Walton grew up in Wagga Wagga, which is in New South Wales in Australia, and there was a house on the street he lived in as a child that was abandoned, and was a great source of intrigue for Kerry and his friends, who were all convinced that it was haunted. Kerry moved away when he was old enough to do so, but when he returned to his hometown in 1973 and saw the haunted house was still empty and unused, he decided to check it out. He tentatively explored the building and found something hidden beneath the floorboards, clearly intentionally hidden. It was an old marionette doll. It was the size of a small child and looked more than a little creepy. The house had been abandoned for many years and therefore the doll didn't belong to anybody, so Kerry made a decision to keep it. He put it in his car and drove away. As he drove along he heard a sound. He turned the radio off and he could hear a voice within the car. It was shouting, Letter me out. He has insisted ever since that this is the origin of the doll's name, Letter. He took the doll to his home in Queensland and visitors to his home were anything but comfortable with Letter around. And that's understandable given the unusual occurrences that Walton claims began after Letter moved in. Strange scuff marks appeared on the floor, household items moved around all on their own, regularly swapping positions or even disappearing. His children complained of nightmares. One night, they woke up screaming that Letter was talking and moving around on its own. Dogs turned aggressive whenever they were in the presence of the doll. Kerry started making appearances on TV with Letter, who had started to gain some notoriety. This was enhanced further when a cameraman insisted that the doll had turned its head to look at him. 
But why is Leta considered by some to be one of the most evil dolls in the world? There are many sources that detail the origins of Leta, which I'll come on to in a moment, but what we do know for a fact is that the doll was made of carved wood and real human hair, and is probably around 200 years old. The origin story which is often repeated came from Kerry Walton himself. Although it's unclear where this information came from, given he found the doll under the floor of an abandoned house and has no idea of its previous owners. He says that letter originated in Eastern Europe, and it was hand-carved by a Romany man whose son had died in a drowning accident. The Romany people believed that a recently departed person's spirit could transfer into dolls, and this was the man's hope. And according to Walton, that's who haunts Letter today. At some point, Walton tried to sell Letter, only to find that he physically couldn't get the doll out of the car. So instead, Letter now tours around Australia with Kerry Walton, who allows the doll to sit on the laps of those brave enough to pose for a photograph with a terrifying mannequin. Ruby is a doll which dates from the early 1900s and was initially sold to a family in southern Ontario in Canada. She's made of porcelain and fabric and is hand painted. The doll was much loved by the children who it was handed down to from generation to generation of the family that initially bought it. However, this all changed when one of these children sadly died while clutching their beloved doll. The spirit of this departed little girl then possessed the doll from that point forward. The doll would then start moving around at will. Ruby would often be found in rooms that nobody had been in, and she definitely wasn't left in. She often evokes an overwhelming sense of sadness in those who pick up the doll. Today Ruby is part of the collection owned by Dana and Greg Newkirk, who run the Travelling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. In June 2014 a creepy discovery was made in Singapore. It was reported on Worldwide, and the UK-based newspaper The Daily Mail ran the story with the headline, Possessed Child's Doll Terrify in Singapore, after it was found blindfolded by the side of the road. It read, If you ever come across this doll, do not remove its blindfold, or else you could find it following you home. This creepy figurine is apparently keeping Singaporean children and adults awake at night, after it was found resting against a tree by the side of a busy street. Wearing a stained silk and lace dress, the doll looks as if it had been accidentally left outside for the night. But it has caused something of a stir online after pictures of it were posted on Reddit, along with a bizarre story about how it is supposedly possessed. According to the post, the doll was found blindfolded with a cloth with the word Bismala, an Arabic phrase meaning in the name of God, written on it. The post includes claims that the doll has the ability to move around of its own accord and can even be heard talking in a woman's voice. The post reads, Original owner found that the only way to get rid of it and make sure it won't come back is to cover its eyesight. The curse is rumoured to have been passed on to somebody else who found it and untied the cloth unknowingly. This was accompanied with photos taken of the doll with a blindfold removed and a comment saying, We bind it for a reason. Stupid people unbind it. It looks unhappy. Good luck to whoever did it. Reaction to the story on Reddit has ranged from the understandably cynical to those offering tips on how to destroy the doll. Getting rid of the doll might be a little bit trickier than it would first seem though, as according to the original poster, it has now gone missing. The poster did however go on to edit his message with the disclaimer, Nothing here should be taken seriously, as I don't have any valid or scientific proof of it, 
It was all just rumours by word of mouth and on the internet. I'm just sharing it. Since this new story was initially reported, some additional information about the blindfolded doll that was found against that tree in Haugang was come to light. In a sad coincidence on the day the doll was found, a murder was committed very near the site of the doll's discovery, as well as a man committing suicide. We also know that the doll was a recent creation, and was made by artist Christy Bastet, who specialises in making creepy dolls. In the same year, 2014, also in Singapore, residents in Jurong West reported sightings of a demonic doll on the ground floor, or void deck as it would be called over there, in a block of public housing flats, known as HBD flats due to being constructed by the Housing and Development Board. Witnesses said that it was holding a lit cigarette in its hand, and had a grin across its nightmarish face. There's no evidence that this is nothing more than a hoax, witness statements aside, other than one fairly grainy photograph that shows the demon doll. You can see it over on the Instagram with its prominent horns and its jet black hair. Another Singapore-based haunted doll is a Barbie doll. That's right, the most famous of all dolls has found herself included in pretty much every list of haunted dolls. And what's more, this doll was bought brand new from a toy shop, so doesn't have any previous owners or history whatsoever. So what happened to lead to the Palau Ubin Barbie, named for the island that she's situated on to be considered haunted? In 2007 an Australian man was on Palau Ubin, and had a reoccurring dream three nights in a row. He thought that this was more than just coincidence, and that this was a message from beyond the grave. There was a shrine on the island that was built during World War I, in the 1910s there were two German families living on Palau Ubin, the Brants and the Mooligans who ran coffee plantations. When the war broke out in 1914, Singapore was occupied by the British, and any German nationals were to be rounded up and detained. The German families looked to escape, and an 18 year old girl fell from a cliff while fleeing, and died. Her body was found several days later by plantation workers, and was recovered by Chinese workers who buried her near the spot she died and a shrine was created over her grave. In 1974 a more permanent shrine was made of hardwood, to replace a small rudimentary hut, and it's this shrine that stands today, now known as the German Girl Shrine. In 1974 when this shrine was created, her remains were exhumed and placed into an urn. In the Australian man's dream he saw the teenage German girl, and he followed her. She led him to a toy shop, where she pointed to a Barbie doll, on display in the window. After the third night he went to the shop and he bought the Barbie. He was convinced the girl in his dreams was the German girl who died almost a century earlier, so he took the Barbie doll to her shrine. He believed her spirit inhabits the Barbie, and this is now a belief shared by hundreds, if not thousands. The Barbie has been placed inside a case and today is very much part of her shrine. In May 2020, the Daily Mail newspaper was once again publishing stories about haunted dolls, when it ran a story that was reported on Globally, about an animatronic doll that was created to portray Renesmee, the half-vampire, half-human daughter of Edward Cullen and Bella Swan, in the Twilight Saga, Break and Dawn Part 2. The story was entitled, Her Socks Get Dirty When She Walks Around, creepy doll that was made to portray vampire child Renesmee in the final Twilight movie may be haunted, museum staff reveal. The story read, The animatronic doll that was deemed too grotesque to appear in the final movie in the Twilight franchise is haunted 
and moves around in her museum case, according to a museum patron and staff. The creepy-looking puppet never made it into the film because of her disturbing appearance. The doll that was dubbed Chuckers May by cast and crew is on display in Forks, Washington, where Stephanie Byer based her Twilight Saga novels. As part of the town's permanent Forever Twilight collection of props from the films, Chuckers May has gotten a reputation for having a life of her own over the years. TikTok user at Abby2345678 has claimed that when she visited the exhibit in Forks, one of the museum staff has told her that the doll is haunted. Things would often move around in her case, and sometimes they would come in in the morning and she would be in a different spot she explained in her video about the prop. Her socks used to be white, but now they are a different colour because they get dirty when she walks around. So she is haunted, just thought everybody should know. The Forks Chamber of Commerce operates the collection, and Executive Director Lizzie Andros confirmed to Jezebel magazine that Chuck as May does seem to move around, though she never explicitly said she is haunted. One day she might be standing up straight, and the next when you come in on another day she's in a weird position. It's like, is she moving around in there, we don't know, but we tell everybody that the case she's in is for their protection. We don't know what's going on inside that case, she added laughing. She could be alive, we have no idea. Whether or not she is haunted, it seems that Renner's May's time on Earth is limited. Andros said that the heavy doll is actively melting and tacky to the touch, but she is a crowd pleaser. A doll by the name of Caroline was bought from a Massachusetts antique shop, and soon her new owner discovered that she wasn't merely an antique porcelain doll. There was something wrong. Objects would go missing, turning up in unusual places, such as candles being found in the oven, and books on bookshelves being rearranged. A paranormal investigator from Salem studied Caroline, and attempted to document the history of her ownership prior to being acquired by the owner of the local antique store. The paranormal investigator claimed that it had been owned by a number of families over the years. Her actual date of creation and first being purchased appears to have been lost to time, as have the names of these former owners. These owners then died, and their spirits inhabited Caroline, before the doll was passed on to somebody else, who in turn died, and their spirit too entered the doll. And then this happened once again, a third and final time. This means that Caroline, allegedly, is unique, and that she is possessed by three separate spirits who were all battling to control her. It's claimed that if you hold Caroline near your ear, you're able to hear all three spirits talk to you in whispered voices. Our next doll dates from the 1800s and was once owned by the King of Italy. King Umberto I ruled Italy from the 9th of January 1878 until July the 29th 1900, when he became the first King of Italy to be assassinated. In 1898 demonstrations over the rise and price of bread were held in Italy. The first of these was on the 5th of May, and the first blood was shed that day at Pavia, a town in southwest Lombardy, 35 miles south of Milan, when the son of Giuseppe Musi, a deputy from Milan, was killed by the police in an attempt to control the crowd. This led to escalation as the following day leaflets denouncing the events of the previous day were distributed. Riots broke out in and around Milan, and two people were shot and killed. Riots also broke out in Livorno and Florence. Things came to a head in disastrous fashion the next day, the 7th of May, when the city of Milan was put under military rule by General Fierzo Barva Baccaris, who unbelievably ordered rifle fire and artillery to be used against those demonstrating. The death toll was appalling. 
The government themselves claim that 82 people were killed, but it's believed in reality that at least 400 were killed, with somewhere in the region of 2,000 badly wounded. King Umberto sent a telegram to congratulate Bava Bacaris on his prompt action to restore order, and he would make the fatal mistake of later awarding him the medal of the great official of Savoy military order. The Italian people were outraged. On the evening of the 29th of July 1900, 30-year-old Italian-American anarchist Guitero Bressi assassinated Umberto in Monza. He was shot four times. King Umberto was buried in the Pantheon in Rome. His killer Bressi claimed that he wanted to avenge the people killed in Milan during the suppression of the riots of May 1898, a terrible event which has become known as the Barva Bacarus Massacre. He was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment, being held on Santo Stefano Island. He was found dead within a year, having committed suicide by hanging on the 22nd of May 1901. Whether he actually committed suicide, or was killed, and it was made to look like suicide, has been debated ever since. So on to the doll. King Umberto owned a doll that he had been gifted from one of his royal guards. The significance of this doll as a gift to the king is unclear, and has likely lost a time. With Umberto dead, the doll was passed into the hands of Alvaro Bellina, the captain of the royal guard, and one of the late king's most trusted friends. Whether it was Bellina himself who had given the king the doll initially is not known. Alvaro Bellina was also assassinated, and the doll was passed down to his daughter Marie. Marie Bellina had an immediate connection to the doll, perhaps because she had been in the possession of her dad, and the doll offered her comfort with him gone. Marie was inseparable from the doll which he called Amelia. Amelia survived World War I, but wasn't so lucky during the Second World War, when during 1940 a bomb went off on a train heading to Udine that Marie and Amelia were travelling on. Marie survived, but Amelia wasn't so lucky. She was caught up in the explosion of Marie, valuing the doll over her own life, tried in vain to find Amelia among the rubble. Another passenger, a woman, managed to rescue the doll, but was killed herself in doing so. Amelia lost both arms and her scalp in the bombing, but gained something at the same time, the soul of the poor passenger who lost her life saving her. From that day on, Amelia has regularly been heard talking. Marie said that on one occasion she heard Amelia say, It's not great. This is a doll from the 1800s, long before dolls were fitted with any kind of voice box. Those who've seen Amelia say that they can see the sorrow in her eyes. Shortly after the bombing, Marie and Amelia were in an air raid shelter, when a man sat next to her told Marie that he'd just seen her doll turn her head to look at him and smile. Amelia's eyes appear to open and close all on their own, seeming to blink. Marie had a daughter, and she called her daughter Amelia, after her beloved doll. Following Marie's death, her daughter now cares for the doll for whom she is named. She has said that she hears the doll crying and calling out for Mama. She weeps because she misses Marie dearly. Staying in Italy, a little girl was given a doll in the 1920s. There's a photograph of the girl with her doll, taken in around 1928 over on the Instagram. The doll, which she named Pupa, was made of felt with a head covered in real human hair. She was made in the style of a Lenchi doll, which were hugely popular at the time, and were made in Torino. They pioneered the heat-pressed wool faces that Pupa appears to have. 
The little girl whose name we don't know was smitten with her doll and they were inseparable. She told anybody who'd listen that Pupa was alive and would speak to her. In 2005, the girl, now an old woman, passed away. Pupa was important to her throughout her entire life, so the family thought it fitting that Pupa should be placed into a glass case on display in tribute to the companionship that she had given the woman during her life. It was only after this that the woman's claims that Pupa was alive and spoke to her were finally taken seriously, as Pupa began acting up. She clearly did not like being confined within her glass prison. She moved around within the glass case, constantly being in a different position. After dark, tapping on the glass was heard. When a family member went to investigate, she found her hands and face pressed up against the glass case. They found on occasion that the inside of the glass had been steamed up, and in the condensation was written, Pupa Hate. The owners claimed that they had a video of her walking on her own, outside of the glass case, but when they tried to upload it to YouTube, it would instead be replaced with a blank white screen for the duration of the video, accompanied by just two words. Pupa, no. In May 2017, the Sun newspaper reported on a doll called Sarita, which had been called the Peruvian Annabelle. The story's headline was the rather worrying, Family convinced possessed blue-eyed doll wanders the house and scratches their children as they sleep. An angel expert told the family in Peru the doll wants to destroy them, but no one can explain why they don't just throw it out. It reads, A family claim they are living in a nightmare, and are terrorised by a demon doll possessed by an evil spirit which wants to kill them. The Nunes family, who were featured on Peruvian television, say the troublemaking toy named Sarita inexplicably moves around the house and causes bizarre paranormal activity. Mum Ivonne is convinced her doll, which she says moves around her home, is possessed by an evil spirit. Despite its angelic looks, the doll is accused of being a devious troublemaker who is trying to destroy the family. They claim to see strange lights and hear weird noises, including scratching, in their home in the city of El Calo, in Peru. The innocent doll, whose reign of terror started seven years ago, moves around the house when the family are asleep, says concerned mum of three, Yvonne. Sarita, whose social media users have dubbed the Peruvian Annabelle after the Hollywood horror movie, also makes praying noises without anyone touching her. One of Yvonne's three children, Stephen, 18, claims he wakes up with unexplained bruises and marks. Last week I woke up with scratches on my neck and my back, he said. His sister Angie, who's 20, says she hears strange noises in the dead of night, such as someone knocking on the door of her wardrobe. She says, Every night I feel as though somebody is looking at me from the corner of the room. The family enlisted paranormal investigator and so-called angel expert, Sorala de Los Angeles, to crack the mysterious case. Sorala performed a ritual around the house and claimed to have detected a female presence in one of the rooms. Yvonne is convinced the ghost is her sister-in-law, who killed herself in that exact spot. Ghostbuster and problem solver Sorala also said that she felt an evil presence inside the doll that wants to hurt the family before she cleansed the home in an attempt to banish the pesky spirits. Sorala was unable to solve the other great mystery, why the family do not dropkick the killer doll into a rubbish tip. There are a couple of additional pieces of information out there about this particular doll that the news story doesn't cover, one of which answers the question that it ends with, why on earth don't they get Sarita out of their lives? 
So regarding the prayer noises that she makes without anyone touching her, this doll actually plays the Lord's Prayer when a button on her chest is pressed, and the prayer noises are actually the prayer being recited without anyone touching that button. It also mentions the angelologist attempting to cleanse the evil spirit, but doesn't go into any actual detail about this. What she actually did was bring seven large candles in and a statue of St Michael, who in the church is the leader of the army of God. St Michael is seen as the commander of heaven's forces, leading the angelic host in their battle against the powers of darkness. She then attempted an incantation to send the evil spirit on its way. She wasn't sure if it had worked, and there has been no reporting on Sarita since 2017, so we simply don't know. The reason that the doll was not simply thrown out of the house is that it was a gift to Yvonne seven years earlier in 2010. It was given to her by a niece, who has since died. It was only after the untimely passing of this much-loved family member that strange things started happening with Sarita. Her three children all wanted to get the doll out of their lives, but their mother simply couldn't bear to part with it. Let us finish with a story that isn't a haunted doll as such, but it does involve a doll, and you won't hear the story anywhere else, as it was sent in by a listener, Kellyanne from Nottingham. Kellyanne wrote to me recently, in between Christmas and New Year in fact, with a story that is as bizarre as it is heartwarming. She said, This Christmas was the first one without my husband Craig. Craig passed away over the summer following a battle with cancer. He was just 38. So this Christmas it was just me and Angela, our five-year-old daughter. I kept up all of the Christmas traditions that Craig, Angela and I had. It was hard and I struggled. But it helped Angela feel as though things were still normal and she was still excited for Santa to come. One of our traditions was the elf on the shelf and it was something that Craig always did for Angela, moving the elf each night after she'd gone to bed. This Christmas I had to do it and I tried to think what would Craig have made the elf do each night when I did it. On the morning of Sunday the 17th of December though, I woke to Angela jumping on my bed saying where's the elf today? Oh no I thought, I completely forgot to move him last night, she's going to be so disappointed. I was about to tell her to go brush her teeth and I'd go check and then quickly move him, but she set off in search of him before I could say anything. Where is he mum she shouted, I went after her, dreading seeing the disappointment on her little face. But he wasn't where he'd been when I went to bed. He'd been on a shelf next to a photo of Craig, seemingly having wrapped the photo in tinsel, but he wasn't there. The shelf was far too high for Angela to reach, so I was at a loss. I'd assumed he'd fallen somewhere but I couldn't see him anywhere. Angela set off searching for him, but neither of us could find him. I went to make a cup of coffee, thinking some caffeine might wake me up a little bit and aid my search, and when I opened the kitchen cupboard to get my favourite mug, there he was sat on top of the mug. How? What? Who? Angela howled with laughter at seeing where the elf was, sitting on top of the mug, hiding in a cupboard, but I was fighting back tears. There was no way at all Angela could have reached either the place where the elf had been, or the place the elf now was, and the only people in the house were the two of us. Craig must have moved it. He must have seen that I'd forgotten, and he'd done it for Angela. Knowing me well enough to know that one of the first things I'd do in the morning would be to reach for my favourite mug and pour a cup of coffee. The mug is my favourite because it was his. 
I now know he is still with us and watching over us. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at How Haunted Pod or over on Instagram at How Haunted Pod where you will see photos galore of all of the haunted dolls that we've looked at in part one of this haunted dolls special. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me at rob at how-haunted.com If you'd like to support the show, you could sign up to one of three Patreon tiers. They start at as little as £1. You can get early ad-free access to episodes and a monthly bonus episode where I conduct a paranormal investigation talking you through the history, ghost stories and what happened on the night itself. This is interspersed with audio from the ghost hunt. What's more, there's a 7 day trial currently to the £3 tier so you could get access right now to December's special episode which joins me overnight at Kielder Castle in Northumberland. Then there are all of the other special episodes which include the big Halloween special at the Golden Fleece in York, Dalhousie Castle Hotel, the York Dungeon, Bedlam Theatre and Haggerston Castle Holiday Park. You can also get yourself some exclusive How Haunted merch including a mug and a t-shirt. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod. If you'd like to support the show but you want a fan of Patreon, why not donate a couple of pounds to help with the admin side of the podcast at buymeacoffee.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All the information and links are in the podcast episode description. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please consider leaving a review on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time out we continue to delve into the terrifying array of haunted dolls out there, including one who may be even better known than Annabelle, as we look at Robert the Doll. Then we look at the Elmo, that repeatedly said to kill the two-year-old boy that it was bought for. We look at some of the most haunted dolls to be found in the UK, and then dolls bought from eBay, which have proven to be haunted by all manner of spirits, both benign and malevolent. Join me in two weeks' time when we once again ask just how haunted are these dolls. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time when we will once again ask the question How haunted? <laughs>